Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 172. Today's conversation is so great. I'm not going to lie, I'm blushing a little bit because I had the chance just now to interview one of my favorite authors of a book I've been geeking out over and I think I've shared here before. I actually took my sweet time reading this slowly over the course of the entire year now, Um, but it's called The Nature Fix why nature makes us happier, healthier, and more creative. If you are someone who feels stressed out, burnt out, and isn't sure how to renew and recover and refresh yourself, today's episode is for you. Today's episode is all about how nature in both small doses and large doses can make an immediate and immense impact on your mental health and overall well-being. Um, So stay tuned for a really fun and powerful conversation with Florence Williams, the author of The Nature Fix, in just a moment. For those of you who haven't already registered to join me, Bossed Up Boot Camp is coming up November 16 and 17 in Los Angeles, California, sunny LA. And I actually just added a few more tickets for Bossed Up Boot Camp since there's been a lot of demand to join us in sunny and beautiful and gorgeous Los Angeles, California. This is going to be your last chance to get in on Boston Bootcamp before the end of the year. And I should also share that I'm going to be shutting down bootcamp for a little while and relaunching it in the coming months. We're making some big changes here at Bossed Up. I'm trying to live true to my sort of underlying mission for sustainable success. And frankly, if I'm being totally honest with you, I've been pretty overwhelmed for the entirety of this year. There's so much happening, which is great as always, but there's almost too much happening at Bossed Up right now. And if I want to show up 100% for you all and tell you to invest in your personal and professional sustainability, I have to not just talk the talk. I have to walk the walk. After our November boot camp this year, we're going to take a little hiatus to essentially refresh the program and make sure that it's living up to our intended um, mission and helping you be the boss of your career in new and exciting ways. So boot camp is getting a bit of a facelift and a and a retune or a retooling in part because I'm really excited to be releasing some new ways of working together in 2020. I've realized that Not only have I felt like I'm on a plane every other week this whole year, and I feel a little overwhelmed by that, but I really haven't given you, our community, 
easy ways to work with me, whether it's through virtual coaching programs or more accessible ways for you to be in your sweatpants and still be getting a bossed up training experience that really helps move the needle on your career goals. So I'm excited to be releasing some new offerings in the new year, which is part of the reason why we're kind of putting the blinders on for the remainder of this year after our boot camp in November in LA next weekend when we'll be spending the rest of the year really in R&D mode. So we're shutting things down so we can relaunch in a new and exciting and better way that serves you even more. Now, one of the ways we're going to do that and one of the ways that you can really help me create the products and services that can make the biggest difference possible in your life is to weigh in on our new community survey I've just launched today. There's a link in today's show notes where you can take the survey, weigh in with what you're striving towards, what obstacles are in your career path right now. How can I be of support to you in advancing your goals personally and professionally And one way that I'm thanking you for all of your feedback in weighing in on this survey is to give you $100 and to give $100 in your name. So one lucky survey taker will be getting a $100 gift card and I'll be giving a $100 charitable contribution to a charity of your choice. So take a few minutes now to click on the link in today's show notes to weigh in via our community survey. It's gonna be open for only two weeks, so I'll remind you of it next week. But if you have a moment now to do it, There's no time like the present. And I want to thank you in advance for your patience with me as we say no to lots of things, not only the things I don't want to do, but the things I do want to do in order to take the time to really recalibrate for the new year. It's kind of scary. Uh, if I'm being honest with you, I'm, I'm both very excited and very nervous because even after seven years, almost a business and you'd think those entrepreneur jitters would go away, uh, it's still scary to change things. So just know that I want to change things for the better to serve you better and to serve you in ways that are easy and accessible and also sustainable because I got to walk the walk when it comes to personal and professional sustainability, not only in, in telling you how to advocate for yourself, but also you know, advocating for what I need to be sustainable and what this business needs to be sustainable for years to come. So thank you for listening, for sharing, for weighing in on the feedback survey, for your ongoing support. Stay in the know as we come out with some exciting new offerings and a refreshed and renewed form of Bossed Up Bootcamp, which will be coming soon in 2020. So if you are ready to get in on Bossed Up Bootcamp before the end of the year, Before the holidays take hold and take our attention away from ourselves and towards everyone else, make sure to register now to join me and our amazing team of trainers in LA, November 16 and 17. Head to bossedup.org slash bootcamp to learn more. All right. Now for today's amazing interview with Florence Williams, the author of The Nature Fix. I have to confess that her book, among its many takeaways, was the first book to actually convince me of the scientific reasons behind essential oils. So I now have an essential oil diffuser in my bedroom that I that I use every night with cypress oil, cypress tree oil, which has proven health benefits that Florence will touch on a little bit in this interview. And I've made a lot of other behavioral changes based on Florence's research and the really compelling way that she shares it in her book today. So I'm so excited for you to hear from her. If she convinced me a very woo-woo 
skeptical, research-oriented person to diffuse essential oils, I'm curious to hear how she might be able to convince you to invest in your well-being through nature. So a little bit about Florence first. She is a journalist, author, podcaster, and public speaker. She's a contributing editor at Outside Magazine and a freelance writer for the New York Times, New York Times Magazine, National Geographic, the New York Review of Books, Slate, Mother Jones, and a bunch of other incredible and impressive publications. Basically... Florence is like my hashtag goals. She's the writer and host of two Gracie award-winning Audible original series, Breasts Unbound, which relate to her first book all about boobs, if I'm being totally honest, which I have not yet read, but is next on my to-do list, and her new series with Audible, The Three-Day Effect, as well as Outside Magazine's Double X Factor podcast. Florence is joining us from Washington, D.C., where she lives with her family. Florence, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So I have to tell you, my mother-in-law, who is a farm-dwelling nature lover herself, gifted me a copy of your wonderful book, The Nature Fix, I think around the holidays last year after she picked it up at REI because she, as usual, was shopping for my husband Brad and I at one of our favorite stores. And as I just started reading the very beginning, it tells the story of you moving from Boulder, Colorado to Washington, D.C. I couldn't help but sort of feel for you throughout the book. You're like, I'm not really sure (laughs) I fully adjusted. So tell me about that transition for you and what inspired this great book. Yeah, so I had been fortunate enough to live in the Rocky Mountains really for my entire adult life. And then my family moved to Washington, D.C., and nobody wanted to go. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, no, we don't want to leave. We were in Boulder, Colorado. And, you know, I got here and it was like a moonscape. I mean, there were no children playing outside. Everyone was indoors. And, you know, Washington, it's just a big city and it's got a lot going for it. But in terms of my nervous system, I was not happy. You know, it was very monochromatic and really noisy and really congested. I used to call it the khaki capital (laughs) because it's just sort of a whitewashed, bland city in some regards. In other regards, D.C. was such a cultural hub and so full of diversity. It can be really a fabulous place to live. But I feel for you. Yeah, you make up in cultural diversity what you lose in natural diversity. That's true. But my nervous system really wasn't used to that kind of level of noise pollution (laughs) and air pollution and everything else. That was going to be my first question for you because I actually got up this morning ahead of my alarm, which is a rarity. And I decided as I saw just the very beginnings of the sunrise peeking through my window, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a cup of coffee and watch the sunrise in my backyard in Denver this morning, sort of channeling the lessons of your book. And as I sat there taking in the sunrise, a plane overhead (laughs) caught my attention. Tell us about noise pollution and what impact that tends to have on on people, because that was something I didn't even think about when thinking about nature. I know. I know. So when we moved here, you know, I, I'm used to going hiking a little bit every day. I go for a walk with my dog. And I started hiking along this really pretty trail in Washington along the CNO Canal Path, which is a National Park Service unit. But it's also under the flight path of National Airport. And so there are low-flying jets every 90 seconds. 
I was just like, what? I mean, I felt like I was in a militarized zone or something. Um, you know, and they start early in the morning. There's a lot of street traffic. And so I, I started to really think about how our external environment gets reflected in our internal emotional environment. And for me, I living here, you know, made me feel more anxious. I wasn't sleeping as well. Um, and in fact, we know there, there are pretty, um, you know, pretty well-regarded studies showing that certain mental illnesses and anxiety are higher in urban populations. You know, our brains are just more on alert. Our amygdala, sort of our fear centers are more engaged when we live in cities. Um, and it turns out that this has real consequences on our emotional and on our mental health. This is what prompted me to write the book. You know, I was like, is nature deficit disorder? And that's a phrase coined by the journalist Richard Louvre. Is that a real thing? Am I experiencing that? <laughs> what does the science have to say about it? And so uh, I, I went around the world and I talked to different scientists who are really at the cutting edge of studying you know, sort of environmental psychology. Um, evolutionary anthropology, ways of measuring uh, biomarkers and stress levels in different environments to actually see what our brains and our bodies are doing when we're in cities compared to when we're in sort of healthful, non-threatening yes. nature environments. And then what are we really giving up when we get disconnected from nature? All of my listeners know I'm a very data-driven, sort of research-oriented person. Whenever I dish out personal or professional development advice, I like to look at the cognitive science behind things. And so I just devoured your book as you really shared your research <laughs> process and shared so many findings from other scientists and other researchers who are doing that kind of work. One of the most interesting terms I found and really realized in some ways that the U.S. is lagging far behind other countries when it comes to looking into nature as it relates to health benefits was the term forest bathing. Can you tell us about that and, and how you uncovered that and what that was all about? Yeah, sure. That's really where I started this project. I got an assignment from Outside Magazine to go to Japan where researchers were trying to take measurements of what happened to people's blood pressures, their heart rates, respiratory rates, cortisol levels, stress levels, while in, in the forest. And, and I guess people in Japan are sort of the most stressed out people on the planet in terms of like they work the longest office hours. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of loneliness. And so the government is really promoting this idea of forest bathing as a way to kind of deal with the stress. And as a practice, it just involves, you know, it can be really just 15 minutes of walking or strolling or even sitting in a forest landscape, but really focusing on engaging all of your senses. So typically in Japan, there's a guide who might help you do this. And in fact, now we're seeing more guides in the US as well who are even certified to help people do this, you really focus on bird song. You focus on sort of the, the sense of the for the smell of the forest, the tactile sensations you might feel. And, it, and and what they found is that after just 15 minutes of this, our stress hormone cortisol drops up to 16 percent. Our blood pressure drops. Our heart rate slow down. There's this incredible sort of stress mediating effect of being mindful in the present moment, taking some deep breaths. You know, it, these are things right. that we sort of know intuitively, yeah. 
you know, that we feel better when we're out there. But now the science is really yeah. starting to back it up. So that was really exciting. It's so exciting. And I loved hearing that in Japanese national parks, they were taking, they were providing a blood pressure machine, right, at the park HQ for you to take your blood pressure before and after your time immersing yourself or bathing in the forest and then sort of helping yeah. collect a bigger set of data from folks who visit. Yeah. And now they've been doing, you know, 10 years of studies out of there and, and other countries are replicating and replicating these as well. Um, and we're starting to see a lot more research in the United States too. Great. That's good to hear. I think one of the biggest lessons I took away from your book in this regard, like you said, a simple one, but not an easy one, which is when I'm taking my morning walk with my dog, it's actually quite important to leave your phone at home. <laughs> And I live in a city, Denver, and I know lots of our listeners, the majority of the U.S., in fact, lives in cities now. And for some women in particular, leaving your phone behind can feel like an unsafe choice. Yeah, I actually never leave my phone at home. So tell me about that. (laughs) So I think one thing that I've really learned about discover, well, sort of discovered through writing this book is that we all sort of need different things, you know, at different times of the day or at different times in our lives. There's certainly a place for technology. You know, if you're if you're training for a marathon, it's maybe really great to have that Olympic playlist with you in the forest. <laughs> sure. but, but if what you are after is stress reduction <laughs> and sort of emotional restoration, and there are going to be times when you're just going to need that more than others, then that engaging all of your senses and being mindful of your space can really best happen, of course, right? When you're not being distracted by your technology. And focusing on every sense is what you're saying and really taking the time. Yeah. And like, so I have learned now how to sort of use some of the lessons from this book when I do go outside, I'm often, you know, like all of us, I'm still sort of caught up in my to-do sure. list and in my day. And what have I got on my schedule later this afternoon? And what am I making for dinner? And what time am I picking kids? You know how we all get that way. But I also am able to now say, wait, 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 <laughs> here I am. I'm next to the Potomac River. What birds am I hearing? What What's the water level? You know, what are the ripples? What are the What are the patterns? What are the fractal patterns oh. that I can see in the water? <laughs> I just yeah. cue myself now to to sort of ask these questions that put me in the present moment, which we all know, right, from so much research, not just in nature, but in mindfulness research. I mean, this is what's really going to help us feel restored at the end of our walk. And I'm one of those people who really struggles with meditation when it comes in the form of sitting meditation, stillness meditation. Right, me too. And so I've written about, and I'll, I'll share this link in today's show notes, about walking meditation or active meditation, what that looks like. And just asking yourself those questions about noticing new things is so helpful to get your mind out of that never-ending to-do list mode, that action-oriented taskmaster mode. Yes. Exactly. And the more we practice it, the easier it becomes. Sure. So I had a question about what you just mentioned, fractal patterns. This, (laughs) I I have to admit, was one of the parts of the book I really struggled (laughs) to grasp. (laughs) So you talk about it throughout the book, you really go through the different senses, you know, from noise pollution to scents and smells and how much they impact your behavior and stress levels. And then the visual component, I found that was a really compelling chapter. But tell us what fractal patterns are, where we find them and how they impact us. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the reason I even sort of went down this road is that 
I think we're all interested in like, what is it about nature yeah. that makes us feel so good? And the different researchers I talk to all have their sort of favorite pet theories, right? So some people are like, well, it's really about the color green, which is linked to feelings of vitality and peace. And other people say, no, it's actually about these smells that are a direct pathway to the brain. And when we smell like uh, you know, the smell of hinoki, cypress, pine, it puts us instantly in this better place of relaxation. And other people say, no, no, it's actually, it, this is a physicist who told me this. He's like, it's all about the fractals. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so he really, you know, explained to me that fractal patterns are these patterns that repeat at different scales. So they are sort of repetitive patterns. They can be kind of hypnotic and very visually interesting, right? So they're not like overly stimulating, sure. like driving through a traffic circle in Washington, D.C. And they're not super boring, you know, like just looking at a blank spot. But they're engaging in this way that creates these alpha waves in your brain. If you think about, about those... Um, screensavers that we've all seen with those kind of hypnotic patterns that come on. It is a kind of soothing, restful, kind of creative space to be in. And it turns out the fractal patterns are often found in the natural world. So we see them in trees and branches. We see them in clouds, coastlines, um, ripples and water. Yeah. I'd be curious to hear from you if this, if this counts, because I think we can all relate to ocean waves and staring into a fire while camping, right? Yeah, like exactly, all of us can exactly. stare at a fire all night when we're camping. And having just returned from Hawaii for my honeymoon, I remember feeling that same sense of peace looking out at the ocean at waves. Would those count? Yeah, absolutely. But I also think we need to respect that there's a lot of individual variation in terms of which kinds of landscapes, which kinds of patterns or, or other elements appeal to us. So you might feel great looking at the ocean. Someone else might feel completely freaked out, you know, that it's it's too vast, right? Yeah. Or agoraphobic. So I really encourage readers to just pay attention, which is actually something we're not very good at. And the neuroscience has shown this. We're not always very good at paying attention to how we feel or predicting how a certain landscape will make us feel. Like we think, oh, if we walk on this sort of ugly street, it's going to be really efficient and we'll get to our destination faster and we'll feel good. And of course, studies have shown that actually if you go a little bit out of your way and walk on a smaller, quieter street with bird songs and trees, you'll actually feel much better than you thought you would. I just try to encourage people to pay attention to which landscapes speak to them <laughs> and sing to them and make them feel great. And then, you know, Take go the for detour. what makes you feel great. Yeah. Like life is too short to be taking the ugly road. Exactly. And I have to also make a note that one of the most surprising findings when it came to visuals that you uncover in your book had to do with healing, right? In hospital rooms with windows facing some trees or some element of the outdoors, you found time and again that those patients healed and recovered faster than patients with windows facing a brick wall. That really hit home for me. The healing power of nature is beyond relaxation. It might be more innate to our restructuring, right? To our basic anatomy as human beings. Well, and that really surprised me too, because as someone mm -hmm. who came from the Rocky Mountains, I feel like I was sort of a snob about sure. what constitutes nature. Like, oh, it's not really worth paying attention to unless it's, you know, a remote, rugged, snow-covered mountaintop. Like, that's nature. And anything else, I'm going to sort of 
put my nose up at. But actually, when you get into the sort of dose question and the definition question, researching this book really made me understand that we can have a very generous definition of nature. Like it can just be like a chunk of greenery out your window. And we can have a really short, small exposure to it, such as a view out a window. It really struck me that a view out a window can actually make a significant difference in our moods, in our stress levels, and in our body's ability to heal because our health is really, really dependent on stress and stress mediation. So um, there are a lot of diseases that are mediated by stress um, and healing is mediated by stress. So anything we can do that's going to help lower our blood pressure, make us feel calmer is, is you know, it's going to be good for, for our immune system. And so um, yeah. the window studies were fascinating to me. And that study you, you referenced showed that people who had view, they all got the same surgeries, which was a gallbladder surgery. This was over a couple of years. They got assigned to different sides of the hospital some of which had a view of, of trees and grass and some of which had a view of a brick wall. <laughs> and the people with the tree views requested less pain medication. They got out of the hospital a day earlier on average and their nurses reported that they were just like nicer, happier people during their hospital stay. <laughs> My mom's a nurse, so I feel for the nurses on that front because it's not always easy when you're uncomfortable. It makes you want to lash out at whoever's nearby. So if a window can help, let's do it. Right. And of course, Florence Nightingale, you know, 150 years ago understood this, that people, when they're sick, they will turn their heads to the light. They want fresh air. They want sunlight. And yet, you know, but then we forgot about it. And we started mm -hmm. just putting everyone, you know, in these very efficient industrial hospitals and gave them medicine. And now I think we're coming sort of full circle where, where people in healthcare are actually starting to talk a lot more about the importance of gardens, healing gardens, green spaces. Yeah. Natural daylighting. So it, that's an exciting, it's an exciting movement that I think is, is just starting up again. Same. I think we've hit our point of diminishing returns when it comes to efficiencies and technology. And we're starting to remember we're humans who have basic needs again. We're animals. We're all animals. Towards the end of your book, you talk a little bit about Tim Beatley's concept from the University of Virginia called the nature pyramid, which I think is important to mention because as you just said, small doses of nature make a difference. The women who listen to this podcast are overcommitted, are busy, are important, right? They're hard driving women who are trying to make their way in this world, trying to be good partners and good to themselves and good to their children or parents, whoever they're caring for. And adding this to their schedule can feel like a lot. So tell me more about the power of small wins in this case when it comes to small doses of nature and, and what that moving up that pyramid might look like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, I'm sure you've discussed this in your podcast a bunch. You know, the more we learn about stress and burnout, the more I think we understand and appreciate just the value of recovery. We're not going to eliminate stress. We're not going to eliminate busyness. But if we can just sort of find daily ways to recover from it, then we can really perform at our best and feel our best. And so nature is actually just a great way to get a little bit of recuperation into our daily lives in a way that makes us more productive, makes us sleep better, makes us nicer people, makes us easier to get along with for our families. You know, we all want that. And I think like I said, there are these really small ways to sort of get little doses. So doing some work 
putting your workspace in front of a window, if you can, in front of natural daylight, if you can. Sometimes taking a meal outside where you can hear birdsong, changing up your commute or your walk so that you are hanging out <laughs> with more vegetation and more yeah. trees and, and then sort of, again, cueing yourself to sort of actually notice those spaces and notice beauty. There are all these really interesting studies, and some of them I talk about, how people who can be open to beauty are more resilient. We feel better about our day. We have a, sometimes even a prolonged sense of time, an extended sense of time. So we feel a little bit less harried if we notice something beautiful. <laughs> Isn't that enviable? <laughs> yeah, right? I think that's what we all want, more time or at least the sensation of more time. I mean, the studies really show that in a way, I mean, if you don't like going outside and you don't like necessarily making time for it, you know, then think of it as a food pyramid, which is what, what that nature pyramid does, that, that, you know, we sort of need the broccoli, not just <laughs> the junk food of our devices right. and Instagram. We need this more healthful diet that has to include authentic experiences, has to involve all of our senses. These are things that at the end of the day will make us feel alive and will make us enjoy what we're doing yeah. and, and, and align with our values, you know? I like this idea too of moving up the pyramid where you can, once you've established a baseline, like I have a regular morning walk that I always take with my dog or just making time to watch the sunrise or sunset once a day. Then there's the more effort involved in getting away and getting out to do a hike, let's say once a month. And then towards the top, and something I know you've done more work on with your original series for Audible, which for full disclosure does sponsor this podcast, and I love Audible, which is your program called Th The Three-Day Effect. Tell us about The Three-Day Effect. What are your findings there? Why is getting out into nature for three days so powerful? You know, I organize the book by dose. So I start out talking about nearby nature, and then I talk about these more sort of intentional kind of middle of the pyramid um, visits to national parks or hiking trails. And then I spend quite a bit of time talking about wilderness. I spent a lot of time with this cognitive neuroscientist named Dr. David Strayer at the University of Utah. And he has really popularized this idea of the three-day effect because as a backpacker and a river runner, he noticed that he just got his best ideas. He got his most creative ideas after he'd been away from his phone <laughs> in the wilderness, kind of resting, in some ways resting his cognitive thinking to-do list brain and awakening his kind of deeper, more creative, empathetic sensory brain your brain is able to make different creative connections when you sort of get away from that relentless kind of cognitive task performance that we are in all day long in modern life. I made this six-part podcast where um, our Audible original program where we went out with different kind of groups of people who needed some help <laughs> from the wilderness, needed to find either like some uh, an end to writer's block, that was one guy, to actually very, very serious population of survivors of sex trafficking. So people really dealing with post-traumatic stress. We also spent time with veterans, again, really stressed population, and looked at how this sort of more immersive, extended period of time in the wilderness was so critical for helping them reconnect with 
their own values, who they are, how their bodies kind of feel things in a safe and non-threatening way. And, and we also hooked up a lot of machines and different ways to measure kind of stress levels during these journeys, that the, these three-day journeys that we took for the podcast. And so it was really illuminating to see what happens to our blood pressure over time in three days, what happens to our brain waves. The veterans were wearing these um, electroencephalography machines, looking at brain waves. It's really a window into what's going on in our brains when we're in the wilderness. It's amazing. And for those listening who are like, there's no way I can get away for three days, I think it's important to take away from your message that start small. It makes a difference right away, like within 15 minutes. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Open your window. <laughs> yeah. And if you can build up to it, those three-day excursions can make a huge difference, not only on you, but especially for kids. I love the sort of picture that you paint at the very end of your book about there being reason for hope, because it sounds like urban planning is starting to shift towards valuing nature, like water and green spaces to a greater extent. And I know the vast majority of listeners are in urban environments, what gives you the most hope for America coming around on really valuing nature and the healing power of nature? I think, you know, what's given me so much hope is that so many people are having this conversation. Um, I think we all know on some level, we are not that satisfied just being plugged in all the time. We're all craving something real, something meaningful, something beautiful, something authentic in our lives, whether it's live performance or looking at art or experiencing nature. Um, I think in a way, our our addiction to phones has really driven this conversation um, and driven this kind of collective state of anxiety where we're talking now in a really meaningful way about solutions. And so that's what gives me a lot of hope. A lot of parents, we know our kids are happiest when they're outside. Siblings stop fighting when they go outside. We know it's good for them. We know it's good for us. And the conversation is now happening among parents. It's happening in schools. It's happening in colleges where college students are more stressed out than they've been in decades. And it's happening in our workplaces. So I think it's super exciting. It is super exciting. Well, thank you for joining us for this conversation about it all. And thanks for all the great work you're doing. Where can my lovely listeners catch up with you? Oh, thank you for asking. They can find me and my work on my website, which is florencewilliams.com. And there are links there to my Audible original programs. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. So I'm around. <laughs> Head to bossstep.org slash episode 172 for all of today's show notes and links to learn more about Florence Williams and all the great work she's doing to help you heal with the power of nature. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. So today we've got an awesome boss move that was submitted by Becca in our online Courage community on Facebook. So if you haven't joined us already, make sure to join the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. It's pretty awesome. It's a beautiful group where folks are constantly sharing their wins and asking for support and getting it in real time. So here's what Becca had to say. 
quote, I'm feeling like I'm hitting my stride. About six weeks ago, I was really unhappy at my job and about to accept another position. Went to the president slash CEO and asked for a new boss, a promotion and raise, and an additional two weeks vacation. And guess what? She met my asks. I'm one month into all the new changes and feeling stellar. Yes, Becca, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy to hear that you were able to do this. You know, leveraging an outside offer is a bold move. It's a very assertive move. And I honestly commend you for making it work for you because sometimes some employers need to know that you're serious about leaving before they're willing to give you what you want. And leaving before really asking for exactly what would make your life there sustainable is a waste. It's a missed opportunity. And you've illustrated that by actually asking for exactly what you need, even though it seems audacious, you might be surprised and the universe just might surprise you in giving it to you. So be ready to receive what you are asking for. And if you need to get an outside job offer to ask for it, because no other form of asking has worked thus far, give it a go. Just know that there is one little bit of research that I did come across in my negotiation nerdery. And it showed that 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 very bold and assertive move of using an outside offer tends to work well for men and tends to, on the whole, and maybe this is changing, backfire for women because it's seen as overly assertive. And we all know that assertive women are sometimes seen as aggressive. But take that all with a grain of salt, as I always say, because it sounds like it really worked for you, Becca. And I'm so, 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 so proud of you. And I appreciate you sharing your boss moves so we can all cheer you on. And hey, you never know who you're inspiring to go and do the same thing. So if you're ready to ask for the promotion or raise that you deserve, I'll drop some links to related episodes on all that in today's show notes as well. But thank you, Becca. We are cheering you on, boss. And I am so, so proud of you. Bosses, I am asking you to call your boss moves in before the end of the year so you can be featured on an upcoming episode. And we're looking for more career conundrums. You may have noticed that I'm doing a bunch of episodes lately that don't start with a listener career conundrum. And part of the reason behind that is that either we keep getting the same career conundrums or we're not getting that many new ones anymore. So if you're fine with that, I'm fine with that. But I would love to make sure that this podcast is in some ways produced by and for you, the listeners. So if you've got a career conundrum you'd like to make into an episode, don't hesitate to call it in now to the Bossed Up Podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. If you found today's episode helpful, make sure to take a moment to share it now on social media. Tag me at Emily Aries and at Bossed Up Org so I can help amplify your voice so you can make sure to spread Florence's great message with others who could use it. Thanks as always for listening, for sharing, and for subscribing or rating this podcast in Apple Podcasts. And until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.